ESPN Radio. Fourth quarter here on ESPN Radio with Harry Douglas and Chris Canty on ESPN Plus as well. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get your fours up, Harry. People can tap in on the Canty call-in line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. And one of the conversations we've been having all show long, Harry, is what we can expect from the Brooklyn Nets post-All-Star break. We know they made the move at the deadline to bring over Ben Simmons along with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. We also know that there's been, you know, in, you know, the New York mayor implying that the vaccine mandate for indoor um, spaces could potentially be lifted, making paving the way for Kyrie Irving to potentially be a full-time player. But one of the things that we're not talking about and what we haven't really mentioned is the other side of that trade when it comes to James Harden being with the Philadelphia 76ers. First of all, when we're going to see James Harden, because we know he was out with the hamstring injury before the Brooklyn Nets traded him, but then also what can we expect from James Harden when he gets on the court with Joel Embiid and that supporting cast? Your thoughts on how James Harden fits to what Doc Rivers has done with that team down in Philly? I think it has an opportunity to to be to be great, right? We a lot of people talked about when the trade happened. This could be one of the best or the best duo in the NBA uh, this season. But I look at it from all spectrums, right? You just can't look at the pros. You got to look at the cons. Mm. What if it doesn't work? Because when you look at a guy like James Harden, right, he's coming to a team where Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP caliber level. I have him number one on my list, and this team is thriving. So. There's an opportunity that it will not work. And how would James Harden be viewed if it doesn't, right? Because I, I think there's a substantially lot of pressure on James Harden to perform because the other stops that he had, Brooklyn before this and then in Houston, uh, it didn't work with big-name stars. So will it work in Philly? We don't know. Does it have? Uh, does it potentially have a chance to be one of the greatest duos ever? I believe so as well. So I think it's just a matter of time when these guys get out there on the court and play together. But chemistry is going to be everything. And these guys have to develop that chemistry right now. You can't wait until the playoffs to want to do it. You got to develop that chem- chemistry right now. You got to watch film on each other. Say, hey, what is what does it be like this ball? Where's his sweet spot? Uh, when the shot clock's going down, where can I get it to him? But they can be one of the most deadly pick-and-roll duos if it works. But there's also a chance that it might not work too, Chris. Harry, it's interesting that you bring up the history of James Harden because I'm a firm believer that the best indicator for future performance is past performance. And although things were good in OKC when James Harden was coming off the bench with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, he decided that he wanted to go down to Houston and do his own thing and assume a bigger role and it hasn't necessarily worked out for him. It didn't work out in Houston with Dwight Howard. It didn't work out in Houston with Chris Paul. It didn't work out in Houston with Russell Westbrook. Then he forced his way out. A lot of people will disagree with his method on how he got to Brooklyn. And then seemingly once he got to Brooklyn and everybody was excited about what that trio could be, he decided a year later that he no longer wanted to be a part of it and he sat down until he ended up forcing the team's hand to trade him. So there is a question of whether or not James Harden can make it work with other star players. There's also a question of whether or not James Harden can step up when it matters most in the postseason. And that there isn't a question about that when it comes to Kyrie. There isn't a question about that when it comes to Kevin Durant because both of those guys have rings, championship rings on their fingers. They've done it in the biggest moments. James Harden has not. So I think a large part of how we view James Harden's legacy as an NBA player will be 
why he decided to make the decision to leave the Brooklyn Nets, knowing that he was leaving two top 10 offensive players in the game today and going down to the Philadelphia 76ers with Joel Embiid, a guy that's the front runner for the MVP. If for whatever reason he can't make this work, I think this brings on a whole new degree of scrutiny on to James Harden. Forget about just the way that he forced his way out of consecutive teams, but also about his abilities and the caliber of player he is if he can't perform at the most important time with a guy that is seemingly going to be the MVP of the league. Joel Embiid is averaging 29 and 11 and four and a half assists a game. The guy is an absolute monster. If James Harden can't accentuate that, then that's going to be a problem. Yes, but you want to know who else has the pressure, though, Chris? Daryl Morey. Because Mm. he's the one who signed off on the trade. So if it doesn't work, not only is James Harden going to be scrutinized, Daryl Morey is too. Because he brought his boy over from New York. Hey, James, you my boy. I need you. He brought him over. So if it doesn't work, Philly. You know how Philly is. Philly will boo you just as fast as they they, they bring you in there. They'll get you out of there just as fast as you got brought in. So So Philly's going to be on fire if it doesn't work. Oh, no doubt about it. But, Harry, I got to ask you this. When we say if it doesn't work, what does that mean? How are we judging that? What are we basing that on? Because I think that's important with this conversation as well. Correct. A lot of people are saying that it's championship or bust for the 76ers. And although I do think this was a move to try to deliver a championship, I'm not necessarily sure that it has to happen right now in year one with these two guys because we're talking about them playing less than half a season together before they're gearing up for the postseason. Daryl Morey made this move to capitalize on Joel Embiid being at the height of his powers. And with a player that has an extensive injury history, it makes sense to try to capitalize on this window that you got of the next two or three seasons. And I think that's what this move was made for, to bring in a player that complements what Joel Embiid is bringing to the table more so than what Ben Simmons does. Ben Simmons occupies the paint. Well, guess what? That's Joel Embiid's territory as well. So James Harden is a guy that can stretch the floor. James Harden is a guy that can also distribute, get the ball to Joel Embiid and others in their spots where they can do what they do best. So I think Daryl Morey operated with a degree of urgency because he wanted to do right by Joel Embiid in the performance that he was seeing. And so Although I don't think it's championship or bust this year, I do think that in order for Daryl Moore to judge this trade as a win, it would have to lead to high-level of success, Eastern Conference Finals and go. NBA Finals appearance there you go. before we can say, okay, this was the right move for the Sixers to make. I think the other thing that we have to look at, the other bar to clear in terms of performance when we're looking at this trade, is how well the Sixers do compared to how well the Brooklyn Nets do. Because if the Brooklyn Nets turn out to be a disaster, then James Harden is all of a sudden validated for wanting to leave that situation. We know there's issues that come along with Kyrie Irving since he's been a Brooklyn Net. We know about him going AWOL. We know about him being unvaccinated and the team not wanting him to be a part-time player early on in the season. We know that he's a guy that puts other passions in front of his priority of basketball. So it's just... This is some of the stuff, some of the baggage that comes along with playing with this organization, and it does have the potential to derail an uber-talented team. So I think that's also one of the things to factor into this, how well the Philadelphia 76ers do, how far they go in the postseason, but then also comparing that to what the Brooklyn Nets do in the postseason. And, and Chris, here's the thing for me. If you're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers and you're saying, okay, they're going to get to the Eastern Conference – 
I don't mind them losing to a Milwaukee Bucks team who won the finals last year. Mm. But if they're matched up with the Brooklyn Nets and they lose that series, then we right back at square one because that's the team that you did the trade with. So now it's coming back to backfire on you. So I don't think they can lose to the to the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. But anybody else, you talk about the Miami Heat, you talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, any one of those two teams, you might get a little pass. But if it's the Brooklyn Nets, oh, hell's from the break. <laughs> well, here's where I'll push back on that one. First of all, if it's the Miami Heat, then I think you can be critical of the trade because – you have as much talent as the Miami Heat have. And if you can't beat them people, that's a problem, especially with Joel Embiid and James Harden, two all-NBA performers. Now, when you start talking about the Brooklyn Nets, I mean, in theory, uh, Harry, you're talking about the Sixers getting something for nothing because Ben Simmons was a zero for him this season. He mm-hmm. wasn't playing. He wasn't contributing. And so I don't know if I can necessarily be critical of the Sixers if they lose to the Brooklyn Nets this season just because the Brooklyn Nets, from a talent standpoint, just have more. So, it's again, I come back to it not just being about this year. It's about the next two to three years in that window that they have with Joel Embiid Chris, playing at a high level. Chris, Philly don't want to hear that. Philly don't want to hear that. Philly, stand up. Chris, <laughs> Philly don't want to hear that. You're right. Philly they don't want to hear that. They Hell might not no. want to hear that, but Harry, here's the thing. <laughs> it's sometimes, reality. <laughs> sometimes the truth is hard to hear. That's how we get down on this show on ESPN Radio. (laughs) Coming up next, Tom Brady to produce and star in a Super Bowl road trip movie. We got to have the details on that. Harry Douglas, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Chris Canny and Harry Douglas on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at ChrisCanny99 at HDouglas83. And, Harry, we got to give a big shout-out to the guests that came through on our show today, Andrew Lopez, ESPN, New Orleans Pelicans reporter, giving us the latest on the Zion Williamson situation. It seems like there's going to be a lot more drama on that front before everything gets resolved down there. But needless to say, great to have him on to provide some insight for that. Uh, So we want to appreciate him for that. We also want to encourage all of our listeners, everybody watching on E+. Go to the ESPN Radio podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. But, Harry, you know we've reached the portion of our show where it's time for us to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Three and Out is brought to you by Indeed. Hire without the hassle. Visit Indeed.com slash credit. And, Harry, to kick off Three and Out, we got to start with the New York Knicks and them agreeing with Kemba Walker that he'll be sidelined for the rest of the season. In a statement released by the team, Knicks president of basketball operations, Leon Rose, said, we fully support Kemba's decision to shut it down for the remainder of the season and use this time to prepare for next season. His long-term success and on the court remains his long-term success on the court remains our top priority. I'll say this, Harry. There were a lot of high hopes for Kemba Walker coming back to New York City. You know he's a uh, he's a son of the city, Rice yeah. High School, one of the Gauchos. Like everybody was excited that Kemba Walker would be a part of New York City again. 
in the Knicks uniform, especially with the team coming off of a season where they exceeded all expectations in year one of Tom Thibodeau and Leon Rose. And unfortunately, the team fell flat on their face and the Kimball Walker signing just hasn't worked out. Now, I know you have some feelings about it, but it just seems like a sad ending to this chapter of Knicks basketball because everybody in the city was fired up about Kemba Walker being a part of the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, Chris, and you never want anybody to be hurt, especially if you was an athlete in in those guys' shoes at some point. But I got to say what I got to say, Chris. When I first seen this signing, I didn't like it because Mm. the first thing came to my mind is that how are they going to sign a guard who's going to be going to the gym on crutches, meaning he's always hurt. <laughs> he's always hurt. Well, and, and you notice what they said. We support Kimba's decision to pack it up and prepare for next year. Well, we know what that means, Harry. We read between the lines. We understand <laughs> what's going on right there. That's the organization trying to put a positive spin on it. Because they have some awareness, this is New York City, and Kemba Walker is one of the most celebrated basketball players to come out of this city. So yep. they've got to handle it with a certain degree of care. But when they made the sign, and I'm right there with you, it wasn't necessarily the injury concerns for me. The concern was the actual fit. And I know this team has been searching for a point guard seemingly every single season. Why else do you think that they keep trying to run it back with Derrick Rose? I mean, Derrick Rose is on his last legs, too, in the NBA. That guy can't stay healthy for a full season. And so this is a team that's been desperate to find a guy that can facilitate the offense. And Kemba Walker seemed like a logical a logical guy that could potentially platoon the point guard position with the manual quickly and with... Derrick Rose, but it hasn't worked out, and we knew that Kemba Walker would be a defensive liability for the New York Knicks, and certainly that's been the case because the team's defense has regressed this season. So it's an unfortunate ending for Kemba Walker in New York City in his hometown, but hopefully he can get his career back on track as he gets Ooh. healthier through by sitting Chris, out the remainder really of the season. Can I say Go ahead, really brother. Go ahead. I just want to let everybody in New York know, this is not Julius Randle's team. This is R.J. Barrett's team. And the quicker wow, y'all understand it, it, the quicker y'all, the better y'all are going to be. This R.J. Barrett team, it's not Julius Randle's well, team. Well, I'll man. let you tell it. It feels like it's more Tom Thibodeau's team, and they're going to ride <laughs> out with him because he's the one that was pulling the strings last year, and he couldn't do any wrong, and this year he can't do anything right. But I digress. Keeping it moving on three and out, we got a Kobe Bryant card, the latest basketball card to break the $2 million threshold in a sale. Kobe Bryant card was sold privately last week for $2 bucks. PWCC Marketplace announced on Tuesday. It's the highest a Bryant card has ever been bought. The card is the latest in basketball cards to break the $2 million threshold. Joining LeBron James card, a Luka Doncic card, Michael Jordan's All-Star Game card, and then, of course, LeBron James holds the record with his 2003-2004 Upper Deck Exquisite Collection RPA Parallel card selling for a cool $5.2 million April 2021. Now, Harry, in this story, you know the thing that I want to know the most? Who has the amount of money to throw around for a $2 million basketball card? Tell me, bruh. 
Tell me who has that kind of scratch. If you do, let me know how I can get some of it. I'm sure there's something that I can do for you. If you've got $2 million to put down on a basketball card, let me know. Not saying that Kobe Bryant isn't worth it. Not saying we don't acknowledge that he is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He made the top 75 anniversary team. In my book, he's top 10. But $2 million for a Kobe Bryant card? Bruh. (laughs) Help me out with this one. I know what I'm doing when I go home. What's that? I already I have a Michael Jordan rookie card. I got some other little Michael Jordan all-star cards, too, but they're in my safe. You know what I mean? But, hey, I got to look and see what Kobe Bryant cards I have now. Yeah, I mean, t- listen, $2 million? You could be sitting on $2 million. Man. Between the Michael Jordan card and the Kobe Bryant card, you couldn't be sitting on them M's. Well, the MJ, but- the MJ is in the uh, safe deposit box at the bank. That's it's in the safe deposit yeah, box? The okay. MJ okay. one. <laughs> that's you not gotta, laying around nowhere. You got a safe deposit oh, box yeah. to keep what's in your safe safe. I got you. Uh-huh. I, I, keeping it moving. Tom Brady, since, speaking to somebody that's sitting on some M's, Tom Brady is lined up to produce and star in a Super Bowl road trip movie. This is his first post-retirement movie. Brady is making the blitz into Hollywood and will produce and, yes, appear in a football-themed road trip movie titled 84 Brady. Now, the film is going to feature Hollywood icons like Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Sally Field. They'll co-star with Tom Brady in this movie that's being made by Paramount Pictures and Endeavor content. So we knew Tom Brady was going to get involved with some stuff. We saw what he did with the Man in Arena documentary. But now Tom Brady dabbling in the big picture movies? I mean, is there anything that this dude can't do, Harry? No. That's why Giselle married him. That's why she married him. He the jack of all trades, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, the more you can do, the more valuable you are. That's Mm. something that you learn in the NFL. And Tom Brady is parlaying that into his post-career.